Hey there, we're Equifax. You know us, and we know you. We're here to, well, we're here to do the same thing we've always been here to do. Help you live your best life. We started with a really simple concept. An unaccountable, Kafkaesque organization that controls your ability to acquire material goods priced beyond your immediate wealth. An opaque arbiter of credit whose proprietary esoteric algorithm apportions risk levels based on payment history, debt ratio, length of credit, and overall account health versus an aggregated model of other group risk pools. Using existing risk models already pioneered by data scientists at Fair Isaac Company, we tweak our formula just enough to make it our own and also make it a little inaccurate and unpredictable. That's our promise to you. See, that tweak, along with the formula itself, is a secret, even though it determines almost everything about what you'll be able to do financially for the rest of your life. We do that so the credit products you purchase from us, products that are only necessitated by our very existence, become unreliable, forcing creditors to rely on a combined rating score from two other monolithic companies that are just like ours, who we collude with regularly, and with whom our business and product lines are inextricably tangled and frequently marketed and bundled together. But somehow, somewhere along the way, this simple concept got all complicated, and we let you down. We can't say specifically how we let you down, of course, because of pending and future litigation, but come on, you read the newspapers. You know what we're talking about. Well, it's a new day at Equifax, and we're here to say, stop complaining to the government, or we'll raise the prices in such a sinister, surreptitious fashion that you won't even notice the higher costs baked into your everyday existence. But trust us, it'll be there. We already control the anti-fraud market. What makes you think we can't control the fraud market? What makes you think we don't already? Oh, wait, did you think this was one of those apology commercials? Wow, no, how embarrassing for you. We aren't sorry. Frankly, we don't give a fuck. We don't need your forgiveness. You see, unlike Wells Fargo, Uber, or Facebook, you don't make a choice to use our service. Most of our revenue is earned during transactions wherein you're just a passive observer. In the event that you buy one of our products, products you only need because of irresponsible parties who lose your data, the likelihood of you even knowing it's us selling it is virtually zero, since we do business under any number of other names. Look. We can sit here and argue all day about which one of us is a vestigial incubus draining billions of dollars from our economy, but I think we all know the answer, and it's not going to help your case. So, back off, or we'll make you go broke. We're Equifax. You know us, and we know you. Don't you ever forget that. coming back from like an hour ago what the fuck was that (laughs) makes sense
Yeah, uh, this new video game, Battlefield Five. Um, is that the one where you no get to game. kill in the? Uh, in, is that the one that they're talking about where you get to be a um, a mass shooter in a high school? Have you seen that? No, no, I heard about that, but no, the, the, no. This is a World War Two shooter, just like all those Call of Duties and all that. But um, you can be a, a woman. And like the woman is in the marketing for it, and all the fucking nerds are like, "That's insane! You can't be a woman in war back in World War II." And yeah. of course, there there were female soldiers World War II. I mean, <laughs> fucking morons. Maybe they're being like over overtly, which would not be, which I know would be very difficult to to. Try to suspend your disbelief and think that maybe those kind of people uh, who make those kind of uh, objections might be being a little overly pedantic and they might be like, well, technically they weren't in battle and they were not, uh, you know, class one <laughs> operators in uh, forward forward regime or, you know, forward movements or anything like that. Or they weren't in the field of battle. I don't know. I can only imagine... Do you know? I, I, I can only the imagine we, the fucking threads of conversations between these people. It's ridiculous, is what it is. Because why would <laughs> you know? This is PC run amok. We're PC run amok, exactly. Ben Shapiro you know, is right. You know, it's been a couple weeks since we did a bird road. I did the word incel uh, exist? No, the word incel. <laughs> the word incel entered my vernacular. When I started listening to Chapo, because that was like, oh, so it, so it is a little while ago. Yeah, well, that, are. but no, but it just achieved the sort of cultural sure. zeitgeist, I guess. It just kind of entered entered yeah. the lexicon more widely. Yeah, with with the Canadian shooter, or uh, was he a shooter, or did he just run people over? I forget at this point. Uh, I don't. I don't that's know your that. legacy, by the way. If you choose to be a uh, a, a person that does that a per person that perpetrates mass killing i a third tier podcaster will barely <laughs> remember how you did it a week later so congratulations like that's what you're you know what i've always said right you don't know because i've i just drank, said i just drank some water and i almost spit it all over my mic <laughs> <laughs> Why? I, it was it was so close to just spurting all out of my mouth because you're a third tier podcaster. <laughs> uh. <laughs> An obese hack. <laughs> Uh, um, what I've always said might, uh, and this would actually solve a few different problems. We should cancel Monday night football and replace it with the spectacle of every mass killer that we have in incarceration. The ones that were too much, too much of a pussy to kill themselves, which is the only right and good thing to do at that point when you've already perpetrated those kind of crimes. If you ha if you don't turn the gun on yourself or I don't know the car on yourself and run yourself over, uh, like the only respectable thing for you to do, th that's the only respectable thing for you to do. Kill yourself, save everybody Definitely. the trouble. Like you, you know, I don't respect the people that do that, but <laughs> but I'm glad that they did it. Um, so, but for the ones who are still alive and who go through the criminal justice process, there needs to be 
um, starting this NFL season, which should be canceled. We should cancel the NFL this year because, like, first of all, the people who are watching it are just garbage. If you're watching the NFL, you're <laughs> fucking garbage, dude. Like, come on. What are you watching? What are you even watching? Forget about the fucking protests and all that stuff. You're just garbage. That's a shitty thing to watch. Um, it's 2018. <laughs> like, what is this? Big Brother? What? I mean, what are you watching? Um, so... Cancel the NFL, cancel Monday Night Football, replace it with these people uh, are just like ripped apart by um, assorted wild animals on television. Oh, I'd watch that. You throw them into a pit, you watch their bodies be desecrated, and then you just like, uh, you know, like a little drone comes out and uh, when there's like, when there's barely anything left of their corpse, they gently... Um, round up the animals back into their you know living environments into their cages or whatever and are, are the animals available for adoption after the animals are available for adoption after i, I love this I and a great um, idea. and then what and then what happens is like the final the final thing that happens you know in the in the, the coup de gras of the games of, of that night's game is that you just get like a, a bucket of like diseased cum poured all over your body and you never get your remains never get cleaned up you just get left in the venue to rot and that's where your final resting place is and the and the next week the perpetrator the killer the uh horrible person like they have to kind of dodge your body and eventually there's just a whole bunch of little plots and like little mounds of of corpse remains just left i like it all yeah yeah i I like everything about because i'll tell you why i should get to do the music for this i think you have some good options um (laughs) i'll tell you why you say to me q you can't eliminate what has basically become our national pastime the nfl with this this like we're gonna miss the nfl and i say to you no we won't because the same thing that appeals to you about the nfl that makes you watch it We'll have you watching this violence, the violence, the brutality, the bloodiness, the ability to bet on it. Hello. The ability to drink lots of beer, the ability to drink lots of beer during it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it'll be mostly like in practice, the way that it'll work out is like, it'll be like a, a waiting game. It'll be a a lot of hiding. Like the, 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 the contestant, there you go. The contestant, will spend a lot of the, their time um just like in the NFL if you ever counted up how much time in an NFL game a 60 minute NFL game is actually action 60 minute NFL game on the clock it lasts in real time about three and a half to four hours but the time the amount of time of action where there's actually people running around and doing something is like less than five minutes it's very small because like nothing happened. Well, that's because they're protesting the whole fucking they're protesting time, the right? whole time, yeah. <laughs> well, they're 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 getting gender reassignment surgery. Every <laughs> they always need timeouts for you know for to get woke. Um, so yeah, this is going to be a lot of the same. But let me tell you, that five minutes where there is action, who boy, it will be fun to watch. And um, think about. Think about being the next Dylan Roof and growing up watching that every Monday night and 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 then like debating in your diseased brain whether or not <laughs> whether or not you want to walk into 
a uh, a movie theater or a church or a school and uh, and and open fire, um, and 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 just the the mental image. You might not be rational, but you understand a bucket of cum poured on a dead body. <laughs> that that transcends sanity and insanity. Uh, is that the episode title? Like to come for body on the All Points West Network. <laughs> Next, entry dose. <laughs> I've always said it's going to be a weird fit. It's good. Like yeah. none of these pieces are going to fit together well. Um, <laughs> like it's always going to be a little strange. <laughs> I'm Q. <laughs> and I'm Jewish Dave. <laughs> Welcome to Bird Road. This is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. Yeah, you did it wrong. We Davis. are back. This is Bird Road. We're back. We are back. It's been a little uh, little break. We tried to do a little something in the meantime, but it just didn't work. It didn't out. work. Nothing works. Yeah. No one cares. But we're here. I, I, that's, uh, I still have people asking me if we really stopped the show because of uh, April Fool's. And I'm like, kind of. It, it makes you realize that it's the end of May. It's Memorial Day. And we're like, damn. We never. We really waited on the punchline of that joke. How many How many bird roads have we done since that? Oh, we've done like four. I think one. No, we've no, done four. That was episode, no, that was episode 25. And we're, mm. this is episode 29. So three. Oh, okay. We've so done we've done three. four. All right. This will be the fourth. Um, we're back. As we come back, we also have to remind everybody to uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, this yes. also we have new shows on the All, All Points West Network. Uh, Entre dos, if you're <laughs> can't imagine again the cross section of the Venn diagram of the person who's listening <laughs> to our show and is also listening to Entre dos. Um, but if you are somebody who. <laughs> finds bird road entertaining but also are a diligent parent who wants to raise your child in a uh, bilingual then subscribe to entre dos uh where monica and paula do exactly that teach you help you help other parents figure out figure their way through the challenges of raising bilingual children in uh, in america um and then also our other podcast piecing it together dave what uh, what's going on in piecing it together this week Piecing it together. As if we I don't know. Our... <laughs> we just launched our new website, piecingpod.com. So definitely check that out. Piecingpod.com. Uh, Got it. Piecingpod.com, you son of a bitch. Son and, of uh... a pod. <laughs> dot bitch. <laughs> Got it. And uh, we have a new episode coming after a couple week break uh, on Deadpool 2, which you and I just recorded, actually. So. That's going to be a fun one. You know what I was listening to today? Because um, I was just listening to uh, that Pod Save America, which I know you went to see like when they were in Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody had said it was either – it was on one of the like more like left podcasts that I listened to. Uh, it might have been on Chapo. I'm not sure. Or one of those, one of those shows. Um, so I'm sorry if I'm not giving the right credit to the right people. But somebody made a, made a good point where Pod Save America – like the play on words that it's trying to be isn't a thing. Like nobody says God God save America. Like nobody says that. And like, Oh, I remember. Yeah. It's because there's this guy who has a, who has a podcast, the guy who was, um, who got, uh, intimidated by the, by the, uh, by, uh, 
by DHS because he made a joke, a comedian who made a joke about um, about about killing ice, about killing ice agents, and they came to his door. And he has a he has a podcast called Pod Damn America, which makes sense because there was sure. that whole Jer- uh, Reverend Jeremiah Wright thing where he said "God damn America," right? But when and, mm-hmm. and had sort of guilt through association with um with Barack Obama and Barack Obama sort of had to answer to, to, to that for that um, back in the very, very innocent days when things like that would like require a response <laughs> from somebody back when you couldn't just like so quaint. Yeah. So quaint. So cute back in those days. Um, but yeah, pod damn America makes sense. Pod save America. What is that from? Like, what is it referring to? Did did anybody ever say God save America? Like I don't think so. So I, <laughs> I was annoyed because I was listening to those guys on an airplane today and um brag. And uh I was <laughs> and uh I, I was just on an airplane and I do not consider that a brag. It's the worst. You know, an airplane sucks. Uh they had Duval Patrick. Do you remember Duval Patrick? He's been out of office for a few years at this point. I don't remember. So Deval Patrick was um, after Mitt Romney. He was the governor of uh, he was the governor of Massachusetts for eight years, and I think he left office in 2015. And he's been out in you know quote unquote private sector for the last three years, right? And uh, he's still very politically active. He's out there. He's helping Democrats, sort of establishment Democrats, um, make make it uh, make make viable candidacies throughout. The country, right? And so I was wondering, like, what is it this guy does? And I thought I'd remembered there being some sort of like um, some sort of controversy about what it is that he does, because he was this sort of uh, kind of a Cory Cory Booker type. Uh, he's a he, he's a black guy who um, became the first black governor ever in our country, ever, hmm. which is an incredible um, accomplishment. To do it in Massachusetts, where the biggest city is racist as fuck, is another like is like is incredibly impressive. Considering that Boston is basically just like Little Rock, Arkansas, North. I mean, it's right, yeah. wildly like racist with an Irish accent. Um, so the fact that he did that is incredible, right? He 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 got a lot of attention. He he was a proxy for Barack Obama in a lot of ways. Like he um, was one of those politicians who was very much aligned with him during the height of Obama's popularity and before the bench on the democratic side sort of started falling apart he was one of those bright up and comers you know like him um there were the Castro brothers from Texas who they said like oh these guys are going to be you know these are this is like the next ascendant um generation of democratic leaders who are who are going to be the the firebrand progressives of course they all turned out to be pretty bookish centrist you know establishment sucking type guys right uh and i looked it up and yeah sure sure enough i noticed that they were doing backflips during this interview with him in front of thousands of um of of bostonians or massachusetts 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 i don't know um massachusetts massachusetts mass 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 what's it to you um (laughs) that's that's new york accent uh, <laughs> and I was like, they're doing some real fucking verbal backflips during this interview to tr- to not say where he works, and it's because he's a managing director at Bain Capital. <laughs> That's what he left the governorship to go do, 
And if we can't like be honest with ourselves about like what these people are and where they go and the the myriad ways that they disappoint us after we put so much faith in them and we just have them as guests on podcasts like there's nothing wrong because they're going out there still saying all the right party things and doing all the right party stuff. I just don't know where you can bring the discourse from there. There's, There's not really discourse. It's just like here's a managing director of Bain Capital. And this is somebody who's, who's, you know, masquerading as a progressive Democrat on a show of guys masquerading as progressive Democrats. Yeah, there's not, there's nowhere to go from there. Cool. Let's shut off. Let's shut off the recording then. Call it a day. Wait, what? You, you bought it. You believed it. You little uptight bitch. <laughs> like, what's happening here? <laughs> he said, "There's nowhere to go from there." Mm-hmm. Said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <clears throat> so, I, I guess know. the big story this weekend is the 1,500 kids um, reported. There's going to be. I want to talk about this story, and I would like to get your impression first because I think there's some misconceptions about this story, and a lot of the links that fly around are a little. It's a little convoluted, and I've done a little bit of. I was going to ask you about that, yeah, because I I've noticed a lot of the links are making it seem like this is actually an old thing that just got popped back up. So here's what's going on. For you know what, let's do this. This might be a more interesting exercise. You and your limited uh, news consumption that you engage in. Sure. What is your impression of what is going on right now? Uh, my, my impression is that, uh, when, when these children are being, um, separated from, from their families, they, they, nobody knows where they end up basically. Okay. That's a fair interpretation Mm -hmm. based on the, and that, and about 30 or 40 other permutations of, of that in your, okay. Let me level set. Whose fault is it in your mind? Like based on not 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 you rendering a judgment, just the things mm-hmm. you've heard on the internet lead you to believe it's whose fault? Like in terms of administration or public officials. I mean, generally speaking, I, I would I would just say the U.S. government in general. I mean, I don't I don't know that I really have gotten to a point of blaming any specific uh, politician. Just just poorly run government agencies okay that's that's also a fair interpretation of what's going on based again on like the social media conversation that's made to fit a lot of people's narratives and it's this is one of those things where it's like it's not fake news but it's really confusing i think um okay so this is the general timeline and i even might be wrong about some of this so maybe there are things that i'm omitting what i'm going to say is not incorrect but maybe there's Something that people might want to add in, uh, you know, you can send us email if you want. <laughs> Fucking please don't. But um, <laughs> Bird wrote it. I'm sitting, I'm sitting here. I'm piecing it together, trying so hard to get people to email. <laughs> and you're like, please don't email us. The last thing I want <laughs> is for these animals to send me emails. <laughs> the, like, few hundred people that are listening to this podcast, not interested in hearing from them. They're too weird. By David Rosen at gmail.com. No, send it to. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, edit. Edit. <laughs> um, so, 
Yeah, if you want, fuck it. Maybe I'll read it. Uh, Bird Road at allpointswest.net. But look. Imagine if you got a bunch of spam right now and this isn't even online. It's just recording it. <laughs> just immediately. You just start getting ads and shit. You no, know, you know what started happening to me? Things that I'm ever since I got ever since I got, I got my iPhone back. I got an iPhone back like uh-huh. a week and a half ago or something like that. And I'm getting served up ads based on verbal conversations that I'm having with people. I'm talking about a thing and not searching it. And that was something I saw somebody comment on the internet about that a few weeks back. And I was like, no yeah. fucking way. That can't be true. There's no way that that's happening. And got rid of my shitty Nokia phone. Got an iPhone about a week and a half ago. It, it, today, I'm getting ads for camping shit. We were f- having a conversation with money, with my wife and with her brother about about camping and about going camping. That's the thing. People love to blame Google and Facebook. They, they love to point the finger at them. It's every tech company. Yeah, every they tech company. all are doing it. And it's that's the thing. Like You can either just get rid of all your technology or just live with it because – it's seriously, it's every company. They're all doing it. So back to back to the topic, um, the 1,500 kids situation. So first of all, a little bit of context. Obama was not a good president on the topic of immigration. Actually, mm-hmm. may very well have been the worst president in the history of, of this country on the topic of immigration. Far worse than his predecessors. Far worse than his two and three Republican predecessors, even. Ronald Reagan actually granted a, a pretty wide blanket of amnesty about halfway through his um his his, uh, his tenure. George W. Bush presided over the worsening of like it depends on how you think it's worse. Like if you're like me and you think that illegal immigration, the answer should be a blanket amnesty that would immediately result in like a 10% jump in the GDP, which it would if we were to give mm-hmm. all of these people unfettered citizenship, except for ones with, with criminal records, of course. Um, sure. It would. It would give – it would bring out th- something like 15 – as many as 15 million people who are working and who are workers and who are completely unrepresented and underrepresented in the in, in the economy would be able to come out from the shadows and would be able to partake in normal society and not have not have to you know live in existence of being preyed upon and and um, ha- having to hide. And for people who say that oh they're all criminals because they they're all here illegally, fuck you. I don't know. I don't have a. Right. I, I, I could go into <laughs> fuck you is the only answer to that. I could go into the procedural shit about how it's actually technically not a crime. It's an administrative. Um, it's an administrative uh, infraction, which is not doesn't rise to the level of of misdemeanor crimes. Um, so technically, asshole, they're not criminals. But I, I don't think that while conservatives are really capable of having incredibly nuanced and detailed conversations about shit like what an assault weapon is and what an assault weapon isn't and every single fucking detail <laughs> about like which edge of their gun they like to jerk off on. They seem to be constitutionally incapable of having nuanced conversations about fucking anything else. So I'm not even going to go down that road because I'd just be wasting my fucking breath. And there's no conservatives listening to this show. And good because not interested. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the fact of the matter is if you're somebody like me and somebody who thinks that um, – that immigrants should be more well protected or that uh, you believe in sort of that 
that um, that Keynesian type of um, of economics that says the more people and the younger they are that you have in your economy, the better and stronger your economy will be. Then, um, like, yeah, I mean, then George W. Bush was great. He was good because he let a whole bunch of immigrants in. Um, it, it helped. It was for terrible reasons, of course, political, <laughs> and also for the reasons that uh, for, for the fact that. Um, you know, business wanted it. Businesses wanted the cheap supply of labor, which are fucked up, uh, bad reasons. But sure. you know, it is what it is. Um, Barack Obama, however, was the deporter in chief. He deported more uh, immigrants than any president ever, and also like treated them pretty badly. I mean, they weren't given rooms at the double tree or something like that. They were, they were put in horrible conditions. Children who were unaccompanied minors as, as the, the, the phrasing of it is um, used and people sort of become refamiliarizing themselves with that word in, in, right now um, were left at the border were poor, were picked up at the border were um, were put in cages uh, pictures that came out in 2014 showed these horrible living conditions that they were in. Um, and also in 2016, there was a New York Times article that detailed uh, a hand, not a handful, but more than a handful, two handfuls, like 10 to 12 kids, I think, that were um, that were for sure lost or handed over to human traffickers. And it was for sure that that happened, 10 to 12 kids. Um, I think 12, I, I forget off the top of my head. I was reading the article the other day. I shared it on Facebook. So a lot of people were resharing that article and the article that from 2016 that went over the terrible um, treatment of these unaccompanied minors, kids whose parents maybe were in Nicaragua or Honduras or Guatemala and sent their kids north because of some existential threat there or, or, you know, something bad was going to happen to them. They couldn't go with them. So they had to entrust them to somebody. They sent them up there and, uh, and they were, you know, caught at the, at the border or near the border. Right. Fast forward to this time last year, I think it was summer of last year, July of, of, of 2017, when Jeff Sessions, attorney general under Donald Trump decided that, uh, or made made the proclamation that okay from now on we are going to separate as a deterrent separate children from their families from their parents when they get here not unaccompanied kids not kids who show up unaccompanied because they've already been separated but mm. kids who show up uh with their family unit intact get caught crossing the border or get caught after they've crossed the border uh, in, in being undocumented here here in the states, when that happens, we will be separating them, right? As a matter of policy, as a deterrent for other families or other people who are considering doing it, right? It's horrible, it's 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 brutal, um, but you know we don't we don't give a fuck. Like they're not really like the way they feel about it doesn't really matter to us, you know, because that's that's what it is. And um, right. of that pool. And a pool of others who had been separated, of other kids who had been separated, 1,500 were, quote, unquote, lost by the Office of Refugee Resettlement. Now, what that means is that this Office of Refugee and Refugee Resettlement, which works hand in glove with uh, ICE, 
Uh, what that means is that they, at one point or another, handed those kids to somebody. It, was, it, could, it could be somebody who was their parent, somebody who's a relative, or somebody who's a proxy for a relative, basically. Somebody who knows the kid well enough, right? They placed all of these kids. Think of it as like the kind of way that a... Um, like a probation officer or an outtake officer at a uh, at a jail would place a prisoner and get their last known address or their, their their next known address, right? If you leave prison after serving a term or leave jail after um, you know being in jail uh, for, for for a period of time, awaiting charges or awaiting a court date or whatever, um, they're going to ask you where are you going right now. Like you're not just walking out onto the streets. They want to know what address you're going to. Now, if you're not on parole and you're not on probation. The law enforcement agency doesn't, I mean, they don't really have any reason to know. I mean, they might know, they might need to, they might need to find you if you're ever a suspect in another crime or anything, or if there is a pending charge against you, obviously they're going to want to um, be able to get in touch with you. But for the most part, if you've served your time, you just leave, right? Similarly, these kids uh, were in a situation where they were in various stages of limbo, either they were awaiting trials or they were awaiting um uh, you know, review to see if they could stay in the country. And they were released to these people who ostensibly, who, who you know, who, who knew them. And between the periods of October and December of last year, the Office of Refugee Resettlement made thousands of phone calls to follow up on the status of all of these kids. And 1,500 of them they couldn't find, whether there was no phone, you know, the phone wasn't working anymore, nobody answered. Uh, if, if there was a visit involved, then there was nobody home. That gets translated in the media to 1,500 kids are missing. And the context, the patina, uh, or patina, actually, I think it's, I think it's patina, the, the patina of, um, of Jeopardy gets attached to it. There are 1,500 kids that are missing. Most immigration people, when they're most immigration lawyers and people who work in this world, what they're ta- what they what the point that they make is like, yeah, no shit, those kids and whoever was an- whoever is charged with taking care of them, no shit that they didn't answer the phone when they saw the government calling. Of fucking course they didn't, and you're probably not going to find them either. Uh, and also, if you do want to find all of them, you're going to have to do more than just place a few phone calls and maybe even make like one per- in person uh, visit. This is all over the country. These people are mobile and transient in a lot of cases, and um, it's not like there are fifty. There's some underground ring of trafficked kids, right? But what the danger is now? What I haven't really seen well communicated through the media or through any of the spokespeople, just some stray activists here and there on Twitter or on social media have have, have talked about this, is that what you're doing as a well-meaning liberal. Who is critical of the Trump? Uh, the 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 Trump. Oh, oh, so let me finish the timeline. This all this information of what happened last um, winter and and fall. These fifteen hundred kids being uh, missing came out in testimony. Um, you know, in, in earlier this month in May. So, okay, now you're caught up. That's the things that happened. The outrage that we're fueling by saying like, oh my God, these 1500 kids, Donald Trump, such a piece of shit, heartless, uh, you know, promoting this unaccompanied, uh, I'm sorry, promoting this, this um, policy of separating children from their families. Yeah. It's a terrible policy. It's horrible. It's one of the worst things that are, it's a, a national shame that will probably by the time it's over be up there with, um, with, with our decision to, you know, to put 
Asian Americans in concentration camps in the in in, in the uh, dur- during World War II. Like it's a horrible, horrible thing that we're doing right now. But saying that an a federal agency with bad intention, Office of Refugee Resettlement, should have more authority is a really dangerous slippery slope. Because what you're doing is telling them you should be involved in these kids' lives after they're not in your custody anymore. You should know where they are. You should be tracking them. You should have, you know, you're you're giving them carte blanche to extend their sprawling authority that ICE, Department of Homeland Security, all of these agencies already have way too much of. They operate in a space of unaccountability. You know, for like 50 miles, anywhere there's a border, for 50 miles, it's a constitution-free zone. That means that your constitutional rights don't exist like in Phoenix or San Diego or Chula Vista or all of Florida. Like you could, if you encounter Department of Homeland Security, ICE, somebody from the Office of Refugee Resettlement, any of these people can behave sort of extra, can treat you extrajudicially as as, as uh, law enforcement agents. They don't need a right to see, you know, they don't need a probable cause or anything to see what it is that you have in your trunk. They don't need to, you know, exercise any kind of caution on their part when they, when they approach you. Um, so all these people outraged about these 1500 kids are actually doing something really fucking dangerous by, by, by pushing that narrative and saying that the office of refugee resettlement and by proxy or by virtue of them, uh, ICE and the Department of Homeland Security should be planting fucking chips in these kids' ears or something like that. Um, because you know what they'll say? Fuck yeah. We're down for it. For sure. You you want us to be, um, you know, the, the, the secret police who are monitoring every move of all of these kids and, and their parents and their family and extended family and their proxies for their family? Yeah, sure. We'll start doing that right away. Because guess what? We're already about 50% of the way to being the Gestapo. We'll gladly go the other 50%. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. I don't know. It's a really, really fucked up story. It's a really fucked up story and not for all the reasons that everybody thinks it is. Right. It sounds like there's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like there's no good response to it really when it comes down to it. It sounds like no matter what way you look at it, it's, pretty terrible like because there's no um there's nothing that this administration is going to do that's going to be better i can't imagine no i mean we're only we're only uh pushing them towards worse or nothing yeah and it's not like i mean for sure it's not like any of these kids these 1500 kids are definitely not enjoying great lives. They're probably receiving substandard educations wherever they are with their parents or family. (sighs) They're on the run. Like I said before, they're probably transient. They're probably migrant and, and, and and working wherever going, wherever their, their parents can find work. They're probably not in ideal living conditions. What they're not also is probably not being human trafficked, you know? And, That's the image that I think is in everybody's mind. These kids are lost. This administration that I already hate and, you know, personified by the president, who's just a a goddamn 
incubus <laughs> and his and his uh and, and and his attorney general who's a, a sink of a sycophantic piece of shit you know i'm ready to hate anything that they do and i'm ready to hate any any headlines that right. come out about this without giving it some real thought or listening to people who, who work in that um in that arena now it's fine to be pissed off about the way that the government treats these kids and all immigrants like legal and illegal. It's fine to be angry about that. It's fine to blame um, Trump for a lot of it. It's fine to blame Obama for a lot of it too. He was not lost in his like shine of his, of his legacy, you know, two years into Donald Trump is a lot of the bad shit that Obama did because, and and I, I think that we shouldn't forget about that stuff because that's the shit that lets this stuff happen. Yeah. So that story's been on my mind. I wanted to before we before we get into our shit, I wanted to to, to, to talk about a little bit of fucking politics. Sure, sure. Well, no, and also just one other thing. I think, you know, the way that you started that that whole story there with asking me about, you know, what I know about it, um, you know, kind of leads back into something that we've brought up many times before on this show is uh the way that news is making its way around nowadays yeah. um with social media and only reading headlines and stuff like that which uh you know we're all guilty of it to some degree but um but yeah i mean the the information that's out there it's just it's not always what's in that you know that facebook share it's just not right. enough so um what do we got in the b block dave Oh, I think we're going to do our Do I Have To. We're going to finally check back in on that. You had me listening to Chance the Rapper's mixtape, and I had you making a playlist. All right. Um, Why don't I start? Sure. So explain again. Refresh everybody's memory about why you wanted me to make a playlist. So, yeah, um, a a while back on this show, Q made a, a, a comment or a joke about how it's so ridiculous the idea that people make playlists um which i found ridiculous because i was like basically just getting ready to talk about <laughs> how uh playlists are about to become a major part of my strategy as a music composer and uh what's happening over there do you hear it do you hear the music <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is my playlist yeah i remember this track this is good um because i did listen to it but we'll get into that in a minute but uh yeah so with my new album and everything i i was planning on making playlists a big part of it and playlists really are what's driving the music industry right now the the only people who are actually making money in the music industry uh off of songs and albums i'm talking about are because of playlists so i wanted q to make a playlist it didn't matter what the theme was uh the only rules i said was no more than two or three songs by any one artist uh, and he has to make sure he includes at least one or two of my songs. Uh, but yeah, I set him out to make a playlist. Okay. And I did it. As you can hear, uh, you're listening to uh, Over the River by Justin Hines and the Dominoes. From first, It's like an old school first wave ska song that's always been one of my favorite songs forever from like original Jamaican, like 1960s ska music. Um which sounds different than like I don't know, real big fish or less than Jake or anything that you might have might listen to at Warp Tour, um, <laughs> which I also love. But uh, I thought this was really interesting. This was a lot of fun to do, and um, 
there's a part of me that feels self-conscious a little bit when I when I start doing these playlist things where I think like I guess in this age of social media there's like no space for self-consciousness but um or real self-reflection or why am I doing this who's going to care about what it is that I'm doing what songs I'm trying to celebrate but what I've come to realize in trying to focus on the assignment that you gave me is that you know what playlists are playlists are the modern replacement for TRL that's what they are there isn't TRL anymore and right, right. it's replaced the discoverability of it the what am right. I going to see what am I going to encounter what thing did I not know about yesterday that I'm going to now be that's now going to be my favorite song um, how, how does what's the method that it gets to me because there's no CD stores anymore either Right, and you, and there's barely a radio. There's barely radio anymore. Who the fuck's listening to radio? Poor people. That's it. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> losers. Yeah, poor <laughs> losers. <laughs> but yeah, no discoverability because that there's one so love much music out now about the, about about Donald Trump is the way he like completely vilifies poor people that they're losers poor losers who have no money and then those 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 people love him and they love it they're like give me more daddy (laughs) fucking spray it all over my face i love it this is what i've been saying my whole life poor loser who's a piece of shit and an asshole (laughs) maga bitch um so yeah i think it was really interesting it was a lot of fun to do and um, I just what I don't understand though is how you become somebody whose playlist matters, like somebody who's like, mm. like is it just a, a lottery, like going viral, like where maybe you you hit send on a tweet that's particularly funny and insightful, and it gets you know ten thousand retweets, and you're just like, oh well, I guess that went viral, and it happens maybe once a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's that's how a podcast gets popular. That's how anything creative gets popular. Yeah, it seems to be like total randomness. Um, I mean, there's of course ways to advertise if you really wanted to, but most of these these the popular playlist creators, they're they're bloggers, they're radio DJs, they're uh, people from various magazines, and you know all that kind of stuff, and. So yeah, it's like they already have a built-in audience of some sort, and that's why their pod, their uh, playlists get picked up by more people and get listened by a lot of people. Um, with my music, for example, I'm on a couple of playlists where, like, you know, it hasn't really done much for me. But then I'm also on a life hacker playlist, um, which has made one of my songs get like thousands and thousands and thousands of plays uh, because people know life hacker, you know. So, and people can know our playlist too. It's called the, uh, if you want to go on Spotify and search it out, it's called uh, Bird Road colon Music for Eating During. <laughs> Which is a good title. I think it'll make it stand out a little bit. A little <laughs> and uh, I did start to listen to it actually just yesterday. Um, and I haven't heard the whole thing yet. I heard about 10, 15 tracks and I was enjoying it. There's a, You have a lot of good music on there, a, a good variety. Uh, one question I wanted to ask you, I didn't like scroll through the whole list. Uh, I know you put Regenerate from my new album, A Different Kind of Dream. Did you put any other of my tracks? Yeah, on I put two. You, I, I thought that the rule was two, and I put two. So yeah. I, put, I put two. Okay. I, I'll tell you one of the one of the things what? that I... Um... You remember this song? 
<laughs> yeah. One of the things I did was this. I wanted to find good hip hop from this century. And it was not easy. But there's some gold out there, dude. I was listening to it with Gina in the car, and she was like, does he really like this music? <laughs> My hip-hop taste for, like, modern, more modern hip-hop, like hip-hop of the last 15 years, is very weird. And, like, there's, like, there'll be, like, one specific thing I like about a song, and maybe I'll never listen to another song by that artist. Right. There was only one song I heard that I didn't like when I was listening. Um, it was was it Kid Cudi? Kid Cudi, yeah, yeah. I had a Kid Cudi. I did not like that song. I thought I thought it was shit. But <laughs> otherwise, there was a lot of good music, though. A, a good variety too. Read it, but I want to um, represent him on the on the. Yeah. You know, you know what song was making me laugh was that Mo "Move to Miami" by Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> Wait, they uh... <laughs> I also is that your make, song? Yeah. I also tried to make it um, representative of Miami. I tried to make this a bird wrote playlist yeah. where it's like, she gonna make you move to Miami. Yeah. She like a gypsy. <laughs> a song, but it's too good. It's like it's catchy. Oh yeah, shit, yeah. Though I mean, it's make you want to move to Miami, good. which is hilarious because I met my wife and. You made me want to move to Miami, and I did. There you go. So this there is actually our song, sweetie. This is our song. She got that ass. She got that ass. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna love this part. Oh man, yeah, there's some good stuff out here. Though. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to more of it. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Light, lights in the sky was the other one, one of my songs you put oh, on there. Cool. Very um, cool. Yeah, give it a listen. It's all um, good. Everybody out there, if you want to hear a yeah. good mix of like kind of rock, uh, R&B, hip-hop, uh, a lot of rap, just generally great music by somebody who really knows what he's talking about. Um, really smart person. There you go. Very cool. I've always said Q has pretty pretty good taste in music. The Kills. The Kills in here. The Clash. Rancid. Two songs by the Mountain Goats. <laughs> Two songs by Jewish Dave. There's definitely a trick daddy. Yeah, listen to David Rosen, Echoes in the Dark, and um, and a different kind of wet dream. That's right. <laughs> Babyface, I got Babyface up in there. Um, All right, let's go. Cool. The LCD sound LCD system sound track. System. Oh, flow right low. That was uh, that's the first time I've ever listened to that outside of a commercial or movie or something. Pretty great good song. song. <laughs> it's one of the greatest songs ever. I actually, I actually had to do a uh, a cover of that beat, like a sound alike. Oh, really? Beat. It came out pretty good. That should so. be easy yeah. because that's like that's a pretty like rudimentary beat. Like, <laughs> oh, I know, but you'd be surprised though. Sometimes making the really simple stuff makes it kind of difficult yeah. because if it's if it sounds cheesy at all, it like it throws the whole thing off. <laughs> um, yeah, the all the 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 LCD sound systems track is the one that every like music snob says is the greatest song of the century like bar none if you read which uh, one the lcd sound system song all, all my oh right on by lcd sound system yeah. every music snob like rolling stone what is the website like uh uh pitchfork pitchfork yeah like all those people like they say that that's the best song of the century but I think that that's more about their shared <laughs> cultural experiences and like, you know, what, what they find yeah. resonant to them as they begin to age into their forties and shit like that. That's sure. So yeah. it's pretty good though. 
But yeah, and, and then on your playlist was a song from the album that you made me listen yeah. to uh, for for Do I Have To. Uh, not album, though. Mixtape. Yep. Not which I, I don't I don't understand why it's called a mixtape. It uh, shows up under albums. I don't know. <laughs> well, there isn't a mixtape <laughs> category in, in Spotify, I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. I guess something only needs to exist in maybe a mixtape in one variation. And like, what was it about a mixtape that made it a mixtape back in the day when there was mixtapes? It was that it was... Well, okay. Here's here's what it was. A mixtape back in the day, and you know I knew my hip-hop back then. It was two things. It was songs you couldn't get yet from right. uh, from from these, these rap artists and groups, and it was a, a popular DJ scratching and yelling shit right. on top Cla- of it. A collabor- that, that's or, what a mixtape or was. collaboration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now a mixtape just basically means an album that I think – they're not going to put as much money into maybe. I think like, it's I'm like, not quite I think sure. It's like le- I think it's like too big to be an EP, right? And then too small to be an album. Maybe. Like, like in that case, like a different kind tracks, of dream is a mixtape. Like nine tracks. Like nine <laughs> tracks is a mixtape. Yeah, well, that means a different kind of dream is a mixtape because it's ten tracks is uh I, I specifically made it shorter than uh, normal show? album. Is it Atlanta where he goes where he's like, what did you think of the album, bro? And he's like, it was good, man. You had like 18 skits. You need less skits. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, the skits are funny. I I always thought it would be funny to uh, have done a big yummy album that just was just skits. skits. <laughs> One song buried in there somewhere. That'd be really good. Again, not going to say who the big yummy is. Not going to give anyone context. Yeah, never. Never going to like. Tell never. Why would we find anything about the big yummy or learn more? So my assignment for you so was during these dark and dire times that are like just wearing away at the fiber of your soul with every day um, to mm-hmm. listen to something that that you can that makes you feel good that actually will make you feel joy in your heart and for me of the albums that have come out in the last few years was an album called coloring book uh, a mixtape by called coloring book by chicago's chance the rapper um this is like an old this is old news this this was like a an album that got a lot of critical acclaim two years ago and has been you know kind of the the big thing that launched him um in the intervening years where he's now like i don't know he's considered he's now he's obama's yeah exactly right so um (laughs) for whatever that's worth and uh so i wanted you to hear it and i wanted you to listen to it my thing that i told you to do was to listen to it with an open mind because yes it's Mm -hmm. a gospel album and yeah it's a Mm -hmm. modern day hip-hop album which almost are never good uh are almost never good but um yeah so did you do that? And what did you think? I listened to the whole album. I listened to it one and a half times. Okay. <laughs> um, I, li- I listened to it with a open mind and open heart. And uh, yeah, it's kind of meh. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's, it's all right. Four weeks for that. <laughs> it's all right. I do have a few notes here. Um uh, well, first of all, my, my favorite track on it was Blessings, which I thought was a really good song. 
really, uh, really good hook. And I like that one a lot. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, aside from it being this new rap style, which I think is just horrible. Like what is, um, what is the yeah. difference between okay. the way rap is now in delivery and the way that it used okay. to be? Remember when Eminem started singing really badly on some of his songs? Like, I'm sorry, mama. I never meant to hurt yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. That this is like the uh, like the the end result of that becoming popular. I think it's just shitty singing in place of rapping. I, I think that's what rap is now. It, it's it, mumblecore and uh, all this like auto tune rap and stuff. I think it's just it's shitty singing instead of rapping, and that's supposed to somehow make it interesting or different. I don't know. Um, it, yeah, it's just the voice is so bad. It, it's so difficult to listen to. Uh, I do think there's some really great musicians on this album. Um, I, I think some of the tracks, you know, as far as like you, you keep calling it a gospel album, which I'd say maybe half of it I, I would describe as gospel rap and then the rest of it just just general rap. Um, but, you know, there's clearly some good musicians playing on some of these tracks and that certainly makes it stand out a little bit musically. Um, and you know, he tells some good stories and stuff as far as like hip hop storytelling is concerned. And some of it, I did like some of the lyrics I did like, I, it's just really hard for me to get around that rapping style. I just, I, it sounds so lazy and <laughs> bland and just <laughs> difficult to really enjoy, you know? Um, but that being said, uh, I, you know, I'm, it's like, I'm saying it's not all bad. I, I didn't not like it. I, I just thought it was kind of mad. I thought it was, it was all right. You know? Well, that's disappointing. That's genuine. That's genuinely <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I tried. I, uh, as far as like modern rap is concerned, I've I listened to. Two... I think you're. I'll, I'm going to tell you something. I think you're racist. You're racist. <laughs> and I think you need to own up to it, and you need to do better. <laughs> I listened uh, over the past year. I listened to two the two most recent Kendrick Lamar albums. Picture, uh, like a, a Jezebel article with like a picture of you, and it's like this podcaster <laughs> thinks Chance the Rapper is bad. Do do better yeah. podcasting. We don't need your opinion, Jewish Dave. Dave. Quote unquote, Jewish Dave, <laughs> appropriating your own I culture. Mean, I try. I try. You know what? There's that there's that dude that um you'll see a lot of arguments online about it. Have you heard J. Cole? Yeah, of course. Have I yeah. ever J. heard Cole. of J. Cole? Yes, Dave. I've heard of J. Cole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much hip hop you actually listen to or not anymore, but um J. Cole's good. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't listen to it on a regular basis or anything, but I everything I've heard from him, I'm like, yeah, this is good. Cause he raps. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't like the stuff where it's just like lazily just getting syllables out. Like you know, I don't, I just can't, I can't get into it. It's so so hard. Well, to I'm going to tell you something. I have a theory mm. about this, and it involves me yeah. like shitting on you right now. So I'm going to shit on you. Okay. I think Fair. that there's something that happens, and it's beyond just the. This is beyond just the 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 general joking around. Of like, oh, you're too old, ha ha ha, type stuff. I mean, like, yeah. I really do think that you that your ears, not you, but you, like, 
well, you also, but like people generally around like yes. 40, your ears just go bad and you don't hear things yes. anymore. Like the way that they're intended to be here, heard new things don't hit your ear the way that they hit the ear of a person who's young, who's, who's a teenager. Yeah. Like, I think that we, people who are like almost 40, like we are hearing things. We are actually physically biologically yeah. hearing things differently than they'd hear them. Like our brains are processing it differently. And maybe yeah. it's the context of the shit that we heard when we were that age. That's like forcing any kind of music that is sort of adjacent to that, to hold itself up to that standard where it's like, okay, well mm -hmm. this feels like it's trying to be this thing that I know, but I like that thing that I know this is different. I don't like that. Maybe it's right. that maybe our ears just start to suck. I don't know. But it can't just be that everybody who's in their teens and 20s thinks that Chance or let me use a better example. Migos thinks that Migos is great and we think it sucks. <laughs> everybody right. age 35 and over thinks that Migos sucks and everybody age 30 and younger thinks that they're great. It, it, there, there has to be yeah. a reason. It can't just be the shared experience of being that age because it's white kids too. And what fucking shared experience do they have about the life that Migos is living? What shared experience did we have about the life that Wu Tang was living? Like we didn't have anything right. in common with them. Like even even me growing up broke, I was still like semi middle class. I was not growing up in you know fucking Marcy Projects or anything like that. I mean, it was, it, come on. And I, my, our experiences did not line up with that, but they were just contemporary. They were just contemporaneous. Yeah. So I, don't I, th I think what you're saying, I think what you're saying is absolutely correct, by the way. Um, but I also think there's a couple other factors involved. Um, like, first of all, like when I listened to the Kendrick Lamar album, like I could, I could definitely, as much as I didn't really love it, like from a rapping standpoint, from a music standpoint, um, I did think lyrically it was really good. You know what I mean? I think there's a difference between someone making points and telling stories versus, you know, just something about a girl's ass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like there, there's, there's something, you know, where I think anybody of any age can, can still recognize a good story in a song. Um, but then another thing I was going to say, and this also might be kind of reductive, but, um, I think a lot of what's popular nowadays, it, it, this is gonna sound weird, but when you're high on something, whether it's whether it's weed or pills or weed something, or pills, I think it's right. Yeah, I think it feels good going in your ear. Well, and you I mean like in that, like a like a an ASMR type of way, like it like vibrations, like it feels good. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, because I I do recognize that because I you know the only thing I do is we is smoking weed and like just like an old white guy, but like. It, you do notice that you, you tend to feel the music a little bit differently when you're high. And so I, you know, I think these kids are just on these fucking combinations of like, I'm, here I am sounding like an old guy, but combination of pills and whatever the fuck it is that they do nowadays. And I think it makes that music just work so much. I think trap music especially is like, you know, it's got that, those really slowed down beats and like the, the, the real ringing synth sounds and yeah. stuff. I think that stuff just coming into your ear while you're just fucking out of your mind, you know, it's like, I think it, it just feels good. 
going <laughs> you know, back, so I think look, I think that's dude, why they like going that. back to when we were like teenagers going with fake IDs into mm-hmm. into clubs and shit like that. I, even back then, in like the early two thousands or the late nineties, I thought the same thing about techno music. I was like, every single person in here is either pretending that they like this or they're on drugs and they're yeah. they're like they're they're tweaking right now or they're fucking spun out of their mind and that's why they're that's why they're like enjoying this there's just no way empirically that this is fun to listen to and um so just just to be clear the 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 takeaway from this is jewish dave thinks all young people are on drugs because their music is bad There you go. I, I think that that's a, a fair statement. And uh, I think maybe I need to do more drugs while I'm making my next Well, there album, were a lot of think, concerts uh, that you took me to where I had to get really fucked up beforehand on yeah. things I've always, I've way, always way, way, way shit. harder than weed to get to go sit through those yeah. concerts. And I would pound a whole bunch of different things into all types of orifices in my body to go listen to Jet or something like play. Oh God! Well, that wasn't my idea. <laughs> that was my job to be there. Modest Mouse. <laughs> eh, I never really liked Modest Mouse that much. I just pretended to for the job. That was like the big Modest Mouse is like the rock equivalent of Chance the Rapper. <laughs> it's just fucking whiny shit. They both would know. be so happy to hear that. <laughs> I know, right? They both think that's so they cool. They think it's so cool that someone said <laughs> yeah. that about them. <laughs> Holy shit, I sound like Modest Mouse. Holy shit, I sound like Chancellor Rapper. <laughs> <laughs> if i have a hate this week but my i'll think about it but my love is uh the the software i use for making music studio one um they just came out with the new version version four and i haven't installed it yet but i did uh purchase the upgrade and i cannot wait to try it because some of the features are just insanely cool and uh I think it, I'm just really excited to get back to music, uh, like to making some new music. And now that I have my new album out and now that this new version of the software is out, because some of the stuff I think it's going to uh, help with like enhancing what I do, I think is going to be really exciting. So uh, studio one version four, that's my love of the week. For me, my love of the week is a book that I'm reading called, um, generation of sociopaths uh, oh yeah you were telling how the me baby boomers that. betrayed america by bruce cannon gibney who um is a sort of a, a funder type guy like a venture capitalist type dude um young guy by the look of it he looks like he's about uh like maybe my age um which you know for that world to be like under 40 and to be <laughs> cutting checks for a billion dollars is you know pretty uh successful i would guess but he was involved in the um in paypal and with paypal's big deal and um so he made a lot of money on that i guess uh but he's also i guess a data scientist or somebody who is like one of these really data focused guys he doesn't come out and say during the course of this book what his politics are but if you listen to it he's he's got a lot of socialist tendencies um 
or more just like one of these sort of empiricists who just sees things for what they are. And as a result of that, things, you know, it ends up kind of espousing these socialistic positions or viewpoints um, because he just sees the state of the country and how we got there. And, uh, you know, he's a pretty smart guy. Obviously, this book was written with a pretty heavy bias built into it. But let me tell you, man, it makes a really good fucking case. And uh, and it's funny because this goes back to that whole generational warfare thing where it's like, oh, well, it's easy to just blame. You know, you hate it when they're when when millennials are getting blamed, right, for everything, and people are mm-hmm. are, are talking, and, and the retorts are always like, "Well, look at what they've been left," and you know, when you complain about shit like I don't know, like them not moving out of their parents' house, which is the most fucking trite and like at, at this point also <laughs> inaccurate uh, criticisms of them, or them not buying houses, which is like a, a more accurate criticism. But is it a criticism? Like, why the fuck would anybody buy a house if they lived? through 2009 and 2010 like why would anybody do that yeah um and uh <laughs> you know so you, you if you're a thinking person like you you have this aversion to generational warfare blaming wide sects of people because it could easily be, be done to you oh look at the apathy of the gen x generation you know which is i guess technically us even though we're kind of in the middle you're you're almost you're basically right. a millennial like you i think technically you i i, I don't the, I don't what do you call so. it says um nielsen says that millennial which is like really what matters nielsen it doesn't matter what like social science says but nielsen who does mar- who controls all the marketing in the world um says that that people starting in 1982 that would be you who were born in 82 um no i was born in 1980 oh, you were born in 80 i thought you were born in 82 Aren't you two years younger no, than me? No, Yeah. But I was born in 79. I don't know. Whatever. So the... Um, well, you were born at the beginning of the year. I was born at oh, the end of the year. Time. So um, That's right. Yeah, you were born. So yeah. like we're like a year and 10 months apart. This is compelling. Compelling right, radio yeah. right now. <laughs> um, so this guy makes a really fucking good point. And I know it's dangerous and I know that there's an aversion to it because I think everybody under the age of 50 or even 55, like every, we all know that that baby boomers suck and that they really, really fucking fucked up the country in a very selfish and very um, atavistic way. And that, you know, we're all going to have to deal with their, their, sociopathy in the way that it, it kind of th- their self-centeredness collectively as a group but individually mm-hmm. boomers are our parents and our mom and we're like oh yeah my mom's kind of like kind of a dick but you know what she's my mom i love her you know and we all feel that way like we all probably compared to the generations that came before us who held their their parents and their ancestors in very high esteem and respected them and you know unconditionally you know presented them with uh with nothing but the utmost respect we are a little more realistic and we're like we realize the flaws in our parents you and i talk all the time about the flaws in our, both of our parents and we're very sure. open about it and we know that our parents are like not perfect people and for you know not for their effort to give us a decent life um not for that to be criticized but they failed i mean maybe not specifically your parents or specifically my parents but overall the generation failed they were far too 
focused on their own needs, their own wants, diverting money and resources to be used during their lifetimes and to pass on mm -hmm. huge amounts of debt to their children, to our children. Well, my children, you're not going to have children. And um, so, <laughs> like, it, it, this guy, Bruce Cannon Gibney, in this book that's been out for, I think, about six months now, um, goes deep into it. And if you ever had any doubt that this generation is a real outlier, the baby boomers are a product of a specific set of circumstances and also a sort of established pattern of generational um, identities that already existed, but had never, this specific generational identity had never existed in that moment of prosperity and lack of adversity and uh, and wealth and um, sort of post-scarcity. It, it, it's a really damning indictment, dude. And it's, I told you before, I'm traveling a lot. I'm in the... I'm in like the fifth city that I've been in in like the last eight days right now. And um, and so I'm spending a lot of time on airports and I'm in airports and on airplanes and I'm listening to this book. And uh, I think I'm like maybe two thirds of the way through it. And uh, damn it, dude, if every time I see somebody over the age of 55, I don't like I'm not like looking at them kind of crossways like you piece of shit. Get your fucking, <laughs> get your fucking bag down and get the fuck out of my way. You asshole. Is it not enough that you plundered the most resource rich country in the history of the planet and left us with a fucking burning cinder that with 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 corrupted leadership that you put in charge avatars for your own fucking avarice that, that you created <laughs> giving us a choice between a 69 year old fucking uh corporate failure and a 69 year old public sector failure and making us choose between these two kleptocrats <laughs> and now you can't get your goddamn bag down and get the fuck out of my way and let me get off this airplane this reminds me of when uh when billy or when rock and roll billy used to rap and it was always something that happened in his day <laughs> <laughs> it would turn into something about him filling up his gas tank. He'd be like, we went over to the store yeah. and they were out of Cheetos. And I said, I want more. <laughs> then we got the gas. <laughs> you always, you always knew what happened more. to him on the way to the I recording. Know, I know what your day was like. These tickets cost too much. I don't think I'm going to see Guns N' Roses tonight. <laughs> I love Billy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. so that's my um my love which i guess came out sounding a lot more like a hate but yeah yeah it sounds like a love hate what uh yeah, what absolutely you? yeah i don't i don't really God have damn. hate. are you uh, ever just gonna come into this fucking you had a month and a half to prepare we haven't done a sh an episode in forever okay i hate um I, I, I hate uh I hate how difficult it's been to uh to get a session oh, going God. for for our our two podcasts. How about that? Here we go. Here we go. That's true. You did you did you Deadpool asked. with me and um <laughs> that movie came out like 3 weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it says I have a I have a rule that uh, the movies can't be more than two weeks old, and here we are doing. What's your, what's your next one? Because uh, like, let's do. You should do one that's a little lesser known. You should do an indie movie. 
Well, yeah, no. What about well, when the uh, film, when I the have... when the film festivals happen? Are you going to be going to con? Are you going to be ca- cans? Are Hopefully, you ca- can well, we're gonna we're gonna use some of those all all points west, uh, uh, you know, connections and try to make that oh, happen. Those. Yeah. So I would say my hate would be um, would be this week Elon Musk, who it's just like is normally pretty insufferable, but like this week is just like a fucking <laughs> weird. Uh, look, you're a music guy. Do you know anything about this girl that he's dating? Like, are you this Grime Grimes? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know any. I think I might have heard one of her songs. She one. sounds like she seems really like the kind of person. She seems like Dinosaur Junior. Like one of those groups or bands or musicians that a lot of people love to say that they listen to but have, probably have never like if you look at like, right, nobody ever right. actually listens to yeah. like no there's nobody out there listening to that music but they say that like saying that you like dinosaur junior 15 years ago conferred like oh that person knows music like it conferred some right they're yeah, cool he's cool he knows what's up but and like today if you say you listen to grimes people are probably like oh yeah yeah he knows what's up <laughs> I'm sure there's nobody listening to that music. Um, but uh, that's like that shit that we talked about in an old episode where it's like there's a server farm out there somewhere just playing Spotify songs and making the numbers go up yeah, yeah. because nobody who the fuck, who the fuck is listening to this stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I just find it hard to believe that there's music fans anymore. I feel like there aren't music fans anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like music is just something like that. That's like saying that you're a fan of parking spaces. They're just things that you interact with on a daily basis. <laughs> you just come across a parking space and you're like, well, this is the one I'm using today. Tomorrow, it'll probably be a different one. If you if you're listening to this and you are a music fan, a different kind of dream, new album out on Spotify, all that. A different kind of, cream. <laughs> it's kind of cream. It's it's all sperm. Milk. <laughs> um okay so elon musk was the subject of a uh of an article that called into question called into question his labor practices at, with tesla where it seems like there's a movement it's hard to know really but it seems like there's a movement to unionize um tesla with you know which is probably partially backed by the united auto workers and um other you know pro labor uh, groups, and you know, great. There should be like I, I would imagine that working at Tesla is probably just like working at Amazon. It's probably like a real hellish existence with this sheen of cool techiness on top of it that makes it makes you forget that you're wearing a diaper because you're not allowed to take a break. And um, so I imagine that's probably what Tesla's like. I, I don't know. I'll just fucking um, I'll just slander. <laughs> I just slander, slander them. Without knowing. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I really don't care. You know what? I know for a fact that it's a gulag. How about that? Um, so his response, because Elon Musk is fucking super online. He's a person who exists like completely on, on the internet and specifically on Twitter, which is, I can respect. Um, he, uh, he called for first of all he started using the the whole the whole uh fake news saw right he started using that whole construct whatever the fuck that even is anymore calling things fake news just because like you don't like them um but not not challenging the veracity one way or another not really 
pointing to any facts or, or answering to the, the substance of the accusations, just calling it fake news and saying good things about his company. And then saying that he was going to create a website that is a, um, an arbiter of the accuracy of news sources, which if you follow that logic, even just for a second, it begins to unravel. So he's pissed about a company with, that he has an enormous financial stake in, Tesla, which fucking, by the way, is a company that has been completely underwritten by the public sector. Our tax dollars have gone to basically float Tesla and help it become what it is. Uh, but that's a whole other reason to criticize and hate Elon Musk, the fact that he is not a specifically not a genius the way that like the way that eli cash says to uh margot tenenbaum like why did you make a point of saying i'm not a genius <laughs> like in in your review in <laughs> the royal tenenbaums uh, he's like but who 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 says something like that who says specifically not a genius <laughs> like and um so uh but he is not a genius he's not even really a scientist or anything like that he's just like I, I said somewhere, uh, he's just a sentient TED talk, and like 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 if a TED talk came to life, and um, so the fact that he snookered so many people into joining this weird Rick and Morty style fandom that he has going, where everybody thinks he's so like clever and such an outside the box thinker, when he's just another one of these fucking guys that got a fat check from PayPal and is just enjoying it. Right. There's yeah. one fucking thing in the history of the internet that ever made money and it's paypal and the like eight or nine different dudes that made money off of it won't go away and elon musk is one of them yeah. <laughs> like that's the only <laughs> thing in the history of the internet that's ever made money and uh somehow it's resulted in us having to deal with this guy's quest his personal quest to get away from the part of him that's human is like his own fucking we have to like live through his west world now and um so <laughs> it, it just god damn hearing this guy with all of that context go after media and add in to being one of the voices of by the way the source of that article was fucking dead on. There was nothing wrong in that article. I read the whole fucking thing. That the, he should be rightly criticized for his labor practices. His labor practices, like every billionaire's labor practices, are shit. They're terrible. Because that's <laughs> how you become a billionaire, by taking advantage of people's labor. Right, yeah. By giving people not enough in exchange for the, the value that they're bringing to the table. That's the only way that you don't invent money. You don't print money. You get it off of the backs of other people. Sure. So, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's just, ugh, I fucking hate Elon Musk, dude. Up until now, it's just been, he's been like a, 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 a funny, dopey annoyance. And now, ugh, just really annoyed. Do you think he's been on the Simpsons yet? That's a really good question. Parodied or actually Ben yeah, himself? Gonna, uh, uh, bit like actually doing the voice. Seems like something they and him. Yeah, but do. no, but the Simpsons. Hey, have... I'm about to cheer. I'm about to cheer. I'm about to cheer you up. I'm going to send you something. Yeah, he was in season number twenty six, episode number twelve. I know it. I know it. Season number twenty six. The Simpsons is as old as the civil rights movement. <laughs> What is this? 
<laughs> I don't know. Someone just posted it. <laughs> this is what you're doing while I'm like going through my my hate. I'll post it as that as I mean, image. That'll be the image for the episode. You should. <sighs> and now that's like a little treat for everybody to listen all the way through, and they find out what it was we we're talking about. Um. Yep. There you go. All right. What do we got to say now, Dave? What are we going to say in closing? I don't even remember how to do this. We're so out of practice. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, do a few plugs and say make sure you subscribe how have we been on and the rate phone us on iTunes. Hours. This has been a long time. We only talked about two things. Long, long time. But anyway, yeah, plugs. Um, my new album, A Different Kind of Dream, it's out now. Definitely check it out. Uh, and check out that playlist Q made. Um, it's got some of my tracks on there. And uh, I also have a new reel out on YouTube. Check that out. And uh, other than that, subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Most of the work that I do during my day life uh, goes into the realm of um, you know corporate communications. So there's no way for any of you to appreciate it uh, or to you know lend lend hey, me Q. any of your um, any of your attention. Q. Yeah. Q. I appreciate it. <laughs> So um, I'm sure you're all wondering how the social shakeup show went. It went terribly. I shit myself on stage. It was bad. <laughs> no, it went great. I met a lot of cool people, um, hopefully a lot of new contacts for All Points West and for uh, you know all of us to um, work with from, from cool brands. Comes on the heels of exciting news that I've been invited to speak at the podcast movement in Philadelphia this July. Yeah, so and I'm going to be at I this be one. Presenting Can't wait. Something. Um, <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> I have some ideas, uh, but go to check out uh, Podcast Movement. I don't, I don't know what their website is exactly. I think it's podcastmovement.com. Um, you can still register. Uh, they are going to be Philadelphia from, I think, July 23. They're going to be in Philadelphia July 23 to 26. If you like podcasts at all, if you're fan of podcasts if you're an aspiring podcast creator somebody who's just like works in the field of audio engineering i don't know there's like a million reasons to go to the podcast movement and um do it and hear me speak absolutely hear me speak it. about something <laughs> hey uh are you going to wait to post this episode until the new website's up? what new website well, it's not a new website. The bird until we're we're going through Bird Road podcast. I don't, know, I don't think so, right? We haven't figured any of that out. I got to post this. Well, I was going to get it done by by the end of my workday tomorrow. Okay, I'll wait that long. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, then check out birdroadpodcast.com if you. Know hey, I got that birdroadpodcast.com. It's going to be all fixed up and, and nice and beautiful. And also check out piecingpod.com because uh, I just finished setting that one up. That's for piecing it together. So now piece, we've got uh, some awesome websites for you guys. Piece of shit.